And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Sunday, December 16th, 2018, and I'm your host, Tracy Harris, and with me today is co-host John Iacoletti. Hi, Tracy. Hey, welcome. Good evening, folks. And The Atheist Experience is a production of the Atheist Community of Austin, a Texas nonprofit educational organization dedicated to promoting separation of church and state and positive atheist culture. Join us after the show for dinner at the ACA Studio and Free Thought Library, where we're going to be having a pizza party, which is always fun. We have a couple of announcements to start with. So after today's show, we want to let you know that you can check out Genetically Modified Skeptics' 100,000th subscriber celebration show. It's going to be on his YouTube channel, so be sure you're at the correct channel. And that's going to happen at 6.30, so we're not going to be having an after show. And also, it's going to be a fundraiser for the ex-Muslims of North America, which has some really, really good people, if you know any of them. I was saying, you know, dropping a few names and uh, all very fun folks. So be sure and check that out this evening. Genetically Modified Skeptics channel um, at 6.30. And I understand Drew's going to have a a three-hour live stream and lots of interesting guests. So uh, if you're in Austin, you can come to the Free Thought Library and watch it live. Mm -hmm. Right after the show, otherwise go to yeah. go to their YouTube channel, not ours. So it will be streaming live from our studios here, but it's going to be on on a genetically modified skeptic channel. Right. So be sure to check that out. Um, I'm going to keep do, hammering the volunteer requirements. ACA needs more volunteers for social media moderation and promotion. So if you're interested in volunteering online, email social media at atheist-community.org. If you're interested in volunteering locally for local events or Austin community service, stop by the Free Thought Library during open hours or email Megan, M-E-G-A-N, at atheist-community.org. We're looking specifically for YouTube live chat moderators and Discord moderators. Apparently, we've got flooded with Facebook moderation uh, volunteer offers but we're covered with facebook so if you're if you're good with discord or youtube live chat that's what we're kind of looking for right now and also on facebook we've added an atheist community of austin facebook page but you have one you might be thinking no we don't (laughs) we have a discussion page which i've been informed is a completely separate entity so if you're interested 
We do have now an Atheist Community of Austin Facebook page that is separate and distinct from our official discussion page. You can sign up using a call to action that is on the new Facebook page. That button, if you'd like to order yourself a digital copy of the new ACA magazine, which I can hold up. there, They're showing it better than I can. <laughs> so there's the magazine. This is uh, actually being printed and sent out to members, but you can get your digital copy. Like I said, just go to our Facebook page, hit the call to action button, and they tell me that should get you there. Additionally, if you'd like uh, to volunteer, you can check out uh, the Facebook page, which will also announce volunteer opportunities and other events that we're having. If you're here local in Austin, maybe you can take advantage of that or, you know, show support. Even if you just want to like some of the events or whatnot, um, share ideas or thoughts. And you don't have to be local in order to join the Facebook page. So feel free. Yeah. It's a good way to get connected if you are local or even if you're not local. Yeah. Just see what we're doing. Maybe check it out and maybe do something similar in your area. Get some ideas if you like what we're doing. Additionally, you can has shows. So Atheist Community of Austin is producing lots and lots of shows now. And I was told that we have a beautiful graphic that is showing a lot of shows that are now coming out of our studios. So there's tons and tons of content available. And... Don't contact me personally to ask about it because I don't have a clue. They're coming out so fast and furious that I cannot keep track. But I know there's lots of great things. There's, uh, what is it, secular sexuality and there's, you know, parenting beyond belief. And there's just all kinds of things that are happening now as far as the programming so just be sure to tune in and see what's available because I get asked sometimes, hey, do you know of a show that has this or that content? And you may want to check it out because now there may be that show. <laughs> so yeah. the studios are really, really uh, smoking and churning out some content. All that's left is for the Atheist Experience Network to go national and <laughs> we'll be a flagship media enterprise. I have no idea. <laughs> so <laughs> that's... I'm not saying that's on the radar. I think that you just said that, <laughs> but I don't know. I wasn't on my announcements. So, all right. So with that, I don't have any further announcements. Do you have anything else? I don't. Okay. Then it means I covered it. So let's go ahead and start taking some calls. We'll just go ahead then and we'll start with number one. Uh, line one has got Octavia from Laredo, Texas, who wants to ask about the nation of Israel's claim on the land based on God giving them the land. Hey, Octavia, you're on with Tracy and John. Hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. I'm a big fan of the show. Um, basically, I'm an atheist and in the book of Genesis, it says, you know, God gave Abraham and his descendants a certain amount of land. Um, as an atheist, I don't believe that. But that's one of the more common arguments used today to justify their ownership of that land. And I don't oppose the nation of Israel, but I don't agree with that argument for their uh, claim to owning the land. And I'm kind of conflicted because a lot of anti-Semitic people say they don't they, they shouldn't be on that land. And it's because I'm not anti-Semitic that I, I worry that my stance on the issue may come across as anti-Semitic because it, it can line up with some of the positions of people who actually are anti-Semitic. So I just mm -hmm. wanted your uh, thoughts on that. 
Yeah, I mean, as an atheist, I also agree that I, I don't think it makes any sense for somebody to say this land was God-given. I mean, that's what the people who started this country claim, too. Anyone can claim, hey, my God gave me this land. It's mine now. Uh, I don't consider that particularly compelling. Um, I get what you mean. Uh, if you're anti-Israel, you might come off being anti-Semitic, but I don't worry too much about that. I, I think you can separate somebody's, um, you know, recognized country, uh, in the national community as a separate thing from, you know, a religious claim that they have some kind of inherent right to it. Yeah, my understanding well, of your call was that you weren't actually anti-Israel, that you're supportive of, you know, hey, they can have a nation state, why not? Um, but you just don't buy into that one argument. Um, I'm, I'm generally pro-Israel, but I'm ambivalent toward them. I don't, I don't look at them through the rose-colored glasses of many evangelicals who basically think they can do no wrong. I am generally supportive of the nation of Israel because I know that, um, for the most part, they are pretty progressive. They, uh, they do have some liberal policies. They have, uh, they're okay with gay pride parades, things like that, which I support. So I generally do support them, but I also don't think they're flawless. Of course, they're human beings. They mess up like everybody else, but it's just that whole, it's the whole argument about do they have a, do they have a claim to that territory, that, that piece of real estate, which is what, has me conflicted because from from a theological standpoint, I don't buy the argument that the land was given to them by God because I don't believe that. <laughs> no, the, the land was given to them by Great Britain. I mean, let's just be, you know, straight right. up about it. They well, they got the land from Britain and, uh, you know, the United States originally was opposed to the deal and then somewhere we got on board and now we're just like beyond pro. Um, and who gave the land to Great Britain to begin with? Yeah, I mean, because it was you know colonization and right. colonialism. But there's there is like a whole host of historic mess that goes with that. There's a whole host of modern mess that goes with it. Um, Definitely, it, it is it, it is a, a train wreck, I would say. Um, but at the same time, like you say, I I I would probably want to go with the two state solution, you know, which, but I don't know that that's feasible based on the hostilities. But I, you know, I would say let's keep the call to the question of the, um, of of the divine right, which I think we would agree. We don't agree with that. I think if we want to talk about the issue of whether or not, uh, these, there should be an Israeli state, that needs to be argued from different points. And I don't think that it necessarily makes a person um, anti-Semitic or Zionist or based on their position on whether or not there should be a nation state or they should you know, be considered as a nation state. But uh, I do think that I would agree with you and I don't think you're going to get much argument on this program about whether or not a religious argument should be acceptable. I do want to say that when you talk about the evangelicals support for Israel and, you know, that, that idea they can do no wrong, it's not so much that they can do no wrong in the eyes of evangelicals. It's that they don't care what Israel does. Right. Because that's part of the prophecy. And let's just be clear, they support Israel because ultimately they desire to see Israel annihilated. That's the plan. They, they see Israel as uh, eschatologically useful. Yeah, it has to exist so that it can be destroyed so that prophecy can be fulfilled. 
So basically, right, right. their support of Israel is that eventually they would like to see you know Israel decimated, That's and they up. they need to build it up in order to so that it can be torn down. And first, so first it has to exist. And so, right. let, and like you said, from from the standpoint of, I mean, I mean, in in one sense, it's like okay, it's there now. So, it, it I guess part of me feels like, well, it's there now. I mean, they're, they're a country now, so we shouldn't change that. Like we should, I'm not saying we should uh, do away with it, but it's like it, what kind of like what's done is done. Yeah, there's so. a certain point in history where you have to say like how do you, how do you even go backwards, or could you even go backwards, or now are we just kind of stuck with what is, and we need to just sort it out and fix it based on what we're what we're ha- handed right now. Um, I totally understand. Exactly, it's it's a mess, and I don't I don't envy the diplomats who who have to handle that. Um, <laughs> Except, you know, I'm not going to get into that. We can't get into that on this show. Sure. So, because we are. No, but, I, I, but I really appreciate you uh, giving me your opinion. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we tend to agree with you. And I don't think, it, I think especially because you're saying, look, I, you know, I'm okay with them having a nation state. I'm open to arguments, but not that particular one. I don't think that makes you anti Semitic at all. Right. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Sure. Thank you. Sure. Thanks for your call. All right. So. Let's go now to, let's try Brian in Medford, Oregon, who's looking for a solution to an equivocation problem, who says, this should only take about 10 minutes. You're on on with Tracy and John. Thank you so much. You you took my call over the air uh, after hours on conscience. So I don't know if you remember that, but it sure wasn't help. It's okay. And I got a hold of a... um, uh, a meditation exercise, an objective one, no religion, a la uh, Dr. Sam Harris. And it, it's just a simple little exercise. It worked so good just to get focused so that I could see that my imagination and all the things I thought were my conscience and all that stuff that I would give credit for just fantasy. Okay. And that's all it was. It was it's just thoughts that are in your head yes. that just are generated. And if you can... Um, but to see it that it's not real, then you well, can break I'm, free. I mean, your thoughts are real. <laughs> What's that? Your thoughts are real. I mean, you have them. Well, they're real organically. <laughs> yes, of course, the chemical reactions, etc., etc. Right, right. But when you find your when you find your keys and you go, oh, thank God, I found my keys. Because yeah. <laughs> no, because, yeah, okay, all right. So anyway, you have an equivocation problem. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Romans five twelve. I think if if everything is correct, the word all is used two different ways on that same argument. Because when Adam sinned, all were sinful. Then Jesus Christ died, and now all have been forgiven. So why do we need missionaries? Why do you got to go running around the country? Why do you have to give different religions? Everybody's forgiven. If all... If we all got sin because of Adam, then we all got forgiven because of Christ. End of story. Yeah, I think the current theological interpretation would be something like salvation is available to all. So in other words... I've been through it for about yeah, 45 okay. years. Then you understand <laughs> that what you're, what you're going to get back on that one. Yeah, 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 but it, it doesn't click. See, it's, it's, it's just... So what did you... It depends on who's reading the passage and what, it, what they're going to claim it means. So is there a question well, in there, or was that just an it. observation? 
What's that? Was there a question in there, or is that just an observation that you? No, no, no. Forgive me. I don't want to hold you guys up. I just wanted to relate that because everybody is is, and the last couple things I've been uh, picking up on, uh, on the atheist connection and and uh, the honorable Doctor Matt Delahanty. He's not a he's not a doctor. I said honorable. I didn't want to. Yeah, I don't even think he has an honorary doctorate. I'm not. Not not to my knowledge. Yeah. I I, I certainly, I don't want to promote anybody on this show having credentials that they don't have. Yeah. I would not want to. Oh, I beg your pardon. No, that's okay. okay. No, no, no. I'm I'm not wrist slapping. I'm just saying why I'm clarifying. So, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. (laughs) uh, That's absolutely correct. Uh, My mistake. Uh, But anyway, that all equivocation to me. Makes it the reason I say this. The last pastor that I had last year when I left the church there, all we he, he was he, a dead set against organized religion, et cetera, et cetera. But the end result was he still had some bits of religiosity that he hung on to, and the end result was that uh, he would say, "Oh, we're." You're all forgiven, see? And he didn't go into any further explanation than that. Yeah. And nobody ever, when they questioned him on it, he didn't really narrow it down because he didn't have any doctrine. You couldn't belong to the church. You couldn't um, uh, become a, a, you know, a bishop or anything like that. He was just a single little organization. Matter of fact, he was an exhibitist. So he knew more than we did about how things are being manipulated in our brain, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, thank you for your time, and sure. thank you guys for helping me out. All right, sure. well, thank you. I really you, appreciate it. All right, thank you. All right, so let's go ahead now, and um, we're going to move on to, let's go to call or two. Let's take Chad in Austin. You're a new atheist. You want to tell your family, and you're not sure how. You're on with Tracy and John. Hey, Chad. Hey, how are you guys? Good. I mean, doing well. So, well, I wanted to thank you guys for uh, doing what you do. I've, uh, I live here. Yes, yeah, relatively new atheist, and uh, I grew up Christian. I've been soaking you guys the show in uh, over the last, uh, I don't know, two months. Like I only found you maybe two months ago, and I've been pretty much watching it nonstop, both at work and the car ride home, and everything. Uh, Matt's crazy. Uh, it's, I'm really glad, Tracy. You're on. You are super awesome. Uh, I love the way you uh, approach things and you're so eloquent and uh, just, yeah, I don't know. I, you're great. Uh, Matt's like a fucking paladin. Whoa. Uh, he, he's, uh, he can be really hard, but sometimes you need that. Yeah, I think um, so. And, and, uh, and, I, and I love that about him. Okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, more, more than all that, um, uh, you, you guys have had uh, a guest on, and I, I, I don't remember her name. Uh, she was uh, a leader of the uh, of a black atheist group. Oh, yeah, Mandisa Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, she, she was awesome. But uh, part of what really struck me with that was uh, kind of the feeling that uh, we're not alone. Okay. And, uh, like, I, I find myself in a weird spot. I, I want to volunteer, but I hesitate. Uh, and, uh, part of me wants to rock shirts and scream out loud and otherwise participate in what you guys do, but I just, I can't yet. Um, I was raised in a really religious household, uh, Christian, non-denominational faith, all the things, you know, uh, uh, and then I was backsliding, uh, for years and, uh, I, I joined the military. I considered myself Wiccan then, uh, <laughs> It, because I could burn incense in the barracks. <laughs> okay, uh, that's a good enough. But uh, it, 
it, it totally freaked out my first sergeant who was super superstitious and supposedly Christian. And uh, he was also super ghetto. And anyway, fuck that guy. But point is that I lashed out and I've, I've tried a lot of different religious things. Okay. Uh, and then after the military and a lot of experimentation, uh, I began building cars and making things go fast. Uh, and uh, I learned to weld and fabricate and just manipulate atoms and uh, giant unruly herds. And uh, in my desire to get better at it okay. and to build greater and more complicated things, I decided at 30 or so that I needed to go to school. Uh, so and obviously, that well, that tended towards mechanical engineering. So I went to UT uh, here in Austin, and uh, I went to community college first and uh, went that path. Okay. And uh, it was while I was in school that the nails in the coffin began to happen. Sure, okay. Uh, going to school never once gave me any answers or programmed me in any way. It was, uh, honestly, that would have been easier on my grades. Uh, but instead, they gave me the tools to analyze and solve problems. Mm -hmm. And uh, they taught me to sift through the shit ton of information that I was going to be exposed to and figure out what is valid and what isn't. Okay. And the, uh, long, and short, wait, the long and short of it is that you ended up somehow reaching atheism. Is that correct? Yeah, well, this actually happened, uh, and you may know, okay, so uh, there, there's family stuff, like, again, my, my family was super religious, uh, although there was uh, uh, an uncle that I never got exposed to a lot growing up, and it, it's it's funny how you figure out how you were lied to when you were a kid. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, there was a lot of that going on, and, and what I found out as I got older was that my grandfather was a fucking piece of shit who abused his daughters. And my uncle, who turned out to be this badass Green Beret who literally did shit with Kosovo and their infrastructure and a bunch of it, he was a total badass, but he was also an atheist. Okay. And he had been ostracized from the family. Like, I never saw him okay. uh, hardly at all. He was always just this sort of figurehead of a, an awesome Green Beret. That was pretty much all I ever now, knew. Now, was that the primary reason that he was excluded from the family? I I believe so. Okay. Yes. So you don't know uh, of any other I, I, like family issues that came up that um, would have... No, I'm pretty sure my okay. uncle wanted to kill his dad uh, for what he did. Okay. And... Uh, and and also he so he's 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 an atheist. Uh, his wife is an atheist, and his daughter they they've all grown up uh, being non-religious. Okay. And uh, they didn't have a whole lot of effect on me. Okay. Uh, but uh, uh, so after the college thing, and and I was in a weird place, although I was still trying to figure things out with God, um, and and asking questions like. Uh, Going to school, I don't want to say was, I mean, it was part of it because I started to learn how logic worked and like asking right. questions. I mean, I, I, I don't want to, I don't, 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 don't take this the wrong way, I, but I don't want this to turn into like a, a long testimonial um, on how you became an atheist. I, I want to know, I guess your, your question has to do with your family situation and, and your concerns about how to deal with this now that you've come to it and how to cope with your family. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. So, okay. That's fair. Oh, uh, sorry. And, no, that's yeah, all right. Take a whole bunch. No, that's okay. Um, I have seen and witnessed uh, my uncle being, as far as I'm aware, ostracized from the family. Right. Uh, and he came to visit. He had me. Uh, he asked me, like, in a conversation we had, 
I watched uh, a bunch of videos on YouTube by somebody that goes by the name of Evidence with uh, several threes in the name. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar, uh, but it's basically his deconversion. Okay. And it specifically was really related to me because he had a very similar uh, background and story and everything. Sure, I understand. And uh, so it seemed like to my wife, she's like, man, you just watch those videos and that's it? You're just an atheist? And I'm like, well... I mean, well, it's not quite that simple. Like, this has been a long time coming. Right. Right. Uh, but uh, so, uh, yeah, from that point on, pretty much is when I had to confront the, uh, fuck, man, am I going to hell? Like, I have to approach that part, right? Okay. <laughs> um, I, am, I am now looking God in the face and giving him the finger when I make this choice. Like, this is what I'm doing. And this is a big, this is a big deal. This is do you feel like this is a choice, though? I mean, do you feel like well, you could believe if you wanted to? No. Okay, so then it's not much of a choice, right? I, I mean, no, but it, it was just uh, it was just in my face. Like all my life, I had grown up sure. believing in this heaven and hell and stuff, and then all of a sudden, I'm sure. realizing like, okay, this is the unforgivable sin, or like I'm about to cross that threshold. Yeah, where I'm <laughs> stepping into a new world, and so that's hard. Um, yeah. But yeah, again, uh, and not trying to to give my my personal life story, but the question is: so now I have my family, right? Uh, and I am scared to death okay. of letting them know that I feel the way I feel and that I believe what I believe. And like my little sister and my mother specifically are super religious, and they take they their faith in God is absolute and. Everything they do is based on this. Okay. And I feel like if I I am scared to death of being honest with them because it's going to do one of two things. Either I don't want to crush their world. And really what I, I feel like it's just going to torture them. They're going to be scared for me and they are going to be in pain because they are worried about me okay. they're worried about let me just take a, take a quick and i don't know how to uh, deal with that all right well let me take a quick I'm a super honest person and i know i can only do this for so long all right well let me take a quick tally here so you've got mom and sister right who are really religious yeah what about your dad what's his situation um, yeah yeah my stepfather as well okay so stepdad is also religious and then you've got your wife you said you told right right okay. yeah my wife's do you guys have kids? She's not religious. No. Okay. Uh, well, she grew up Catholic, but she, her, her, and my best friend, who I actually live with, uh, both of them are are on. They, they were, they were like, "How did it take you so long to get here?" Okay. Like, we quit believing when we were thirteen. So, <laughs> so in laws are not an issue here, right? Like the in laws have a daughter that's already kind of secular, and they're okay with it. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yeah, so it's not going to be a huge shocker if you come to them and say, yeah, you know, I, I'm kind of with your daughter on this one. But with your family... Yeah, no, it's not the in-laws. It's totally my, my immediate core uh, nuclear family okay. uh, that I grew up with. Okay, so then the, the, the next question I want to ask is, how integrated are you with them? Like, do you live with them? Do you live I'm not, near I them? I moved away. I'm a thousand miles away. Okay, <laughs> all right. All right, so then the next question would be, what is the imp- impetus, like what is your motive to reveal this to them? I can't keep a fucking secret. 
I, like it tortures me inside. I, I <laughs> this is going to resolve itself honest. pretty soon then. I mean, <laughs> I guess the question is, a lot of times we ask people, especially when they're saying that there could be huge repercussions like family ripped apart, things like that, we'll ask like, do you need to, you know, what what is the need to do this? Um, no, and- my wife this whole time has been like, shut the f- up. She's like, Just don't say anything. She's like, yeah. I've been lying this whole time and pretending uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. She's like, you can do it too. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> hey man, I'm lying. You can I lie. I can do uh, no, I mean, I, okay. I think your wife's reaction gives me some objective view of how she views your family. Okay. So clearly she is in fear that, Hey, letting this cat out of the bag is not going to be pleasant. Um, and she's, I'm not saying that that means that you have to do or not do anything. I'm just saying that you want to at least be aware that once that cat comes out of the bag, you can't put it back in, right? I mean, right. you right. can't well, say, ah, just kidding. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, she's totally past the least resistance. She's like, hey, it's super easy to just like pretend. Uh, sure, we'll go to church and we'll... Well, you don't even pray, have to go to whatever. church if they're a thousand miles <laughs> away, right? I mean... Basically, you could live a secular life and they would never know what's going on and you could just do what you want. We do, but uh, (laughs) um, it's they they don't know that this change has been made. And like, I know I will go visit and then I've got to sit there and lie to them. And it it, kind of sucks. And and I don't I I'm kind of personally using the words coming out. Although I don't know if I get to do that. All right. Here's um, the thing. What What is realistically the worst thing that could happen if you come out to them? Like realistically, I'm not, you know, not overblown, well, but realistically, what do you think sure. is the worst thing that could occur? I guess the two things is uh, one that would be ostracized uh, in a sense, like my uncle okay. has been, and that he's basically not considered part of the family, Okay, uh, which just means separation uh from them which i i guess i can can sort of deal with i mean but I, <laughs> you, you I mean, can't can sort of deal with it because if that's what happens you're going to have to deal with it so this right. is what i'm saying you need to think about what is the worst case scenario that you think is within realistic parameters and ask yourself if that occurs am i prepared to live with that and if the answer to that question is yes do whatever you want to do if the answer to that question is kind of, I don't, I'm not sure, then I would say you want to sit on this until you feel sure. Because you got to deal with the fact that this is what could happen and that could be your future. And you need to be prepared for that if you're going to rock this boat. Well, and you need to decide for yourself what would hurt more. Would uh, being ostracized by your family or whatever you decide the worst thing that could happen is or not being true to yourself, not being able to keep a secret, you know, uh, the pain of that to whatever extent you're feeling uh, that you're being, you know, not being true to yourself or however you would describe it. Is that worse than the, you know, being ostracized or, you know, your mother and sister being scared for your eternal soul or, you know, what the, the pain of that. And just, it's a balancing act. It's, you know, what, which, yeah. which is, which are you more willing to put up with, I guess. Yeah. And I, uh, I mean, obviously I, I don't have a ready answer for that. And that's something I've got to, uh, think about. 
Yeah, I think um, that's what it pretty much hinges on. There's a lot on. of variables in there, and I don't actually know all the fucking answers, which... <laughs> All right. Because uh, part of me wants to uh, have them like see the light, right? You need to you need to sit down, and I would I would encourage you to to literally sit down and make a list, right? Make yeah. a list of all the, the bad things columns. that can happen, all the best things that you'd get out of it, even if the bad things happened, and ultimately, like what what you're prepared to live with. I mean, that's a decision you have to make, and and the reality of who you're dealing with isn't going to change. I mean, at yep. least not in no, the right. short term. I think I'm going to talk to my uncle, who, uh, from my perspective, that's has probably been a good idea uh, for uh, for a long time, and sure. uh, get his perspective on it as well. Yeah, that's a uh, good idea. So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, look, uh, man, I really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Sure. And uh, I love your show. Hey, good luck and, with uh, it. I'm call back and let us know how call. what you decided, like later. Yeah, let us know. Sure. How I will. Out. I will totally call back and let you guys know what happened when I told my mom I'm an atheist. Okay. <laughs> Or if I mean maybe you'll decide not to do it, but we'll. I mean I'd, I would like an update on this, so feel free I to call have back. I feeling it's inevitable. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Thank yeah. you guys. Sure. So much. Thanks, Thanks Chad. Chad. All right. So we've got a lineup now of some theist callers. So we've got Salvador in Woodbridge, Virginia, who wants to talk about the hiddenness of God, and you're on with Tracy and John. Hey, Salvador. Hi, John. Hi, Tracy. Hello. Thanks so much for taking my call. Uh, I'm calling from an old-fashioned landline. Wow. I hope my audio is coming through. Sounds yeah, yeah. great. Sounds, sounds better than I'm many really, calls. I really enjoyed today's show, um, and the top topic I wanted to talk about is the hiddenness of God and okay. dealing with it. Okay. Um, I'm a Christian creationist, writer, and researcher, but I'm a big fan of Matt Dillahunty and the other hosts and callers of the show uh, because I could relate to a lot of the ordeals former Christians go through on, on the way out of the faith. Uh, some years back, I nearly left the faith for good before I came back. Up until that point, and maybe on and off for years after, I've been subject to a lot of uh, berating for asking reasonable questions or expressing doubts about the Bible. So that's definitely uh, left a totally bad taste in my mouth. So um, a couple Bible verses. Um, John nine twenty five. whether he, Jesus, is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And Proverbs 25, 2, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is the glory of kings to search out a matter. Um, I, I know people claiming they've witnessed miracles, and I have no reason to doubt their sincerity. Uh, uh, it may have been a coincidence, but uh, it would bother my conscience to insist it was just a coincidence because that may be the one miracle that God gave them in this life. And then after that, God remains mostly hidden in human affairs and in their life. I have one specific account that has uh, haunted me through the years. It's uh, astronaut Charles Duke. He became a Christian after he returned from walking on the moon and he relates how he prayed for a blind girl, and within a few minutes, her sight was restored. So notwithstanding your very good objections about the absence of evidence for God, it seems reasonable to me that this girl would put her faith and trust in Jesus from that point on. And and even if I were not a Christian, I, I don't know that I'd be too quick to try to take that away from her, because that could have been the work of God. I can imagine her saying, one thing I do know, I was blind, uh, but now I see so um and that would be pretty much all you could say about it that would be the only honest comment to make 
like the guy says, I don't know who it was. I don't know what his story was. I think earlier in the in the chapter, he says that he thinks Jesus is a prophet. But the fact is, the only thing that a person like that could say is, I couldn't see before. I can see now. I don't know why. That would be the only yeah, that, honest statement. Th- that would be the uh, the that, honest yeah, yes, statement. without any in- inferences. Right. So, I mean, I'm I'm a former scientist in the defense industry, and I take a lot of comfort in repeatable experiments. I I believe things that you can repeat. And I I really don't hold it against anyone for not believing because of the hiddenness of God. So my question is, would one miracle, like what happened to that girl or happened to that blind beggar in the New Testament, would would that do it for you if it happened to you? Or would you prefer constant visitation? Not unless there was some way to actually identify a cause. Yeah. I mean, what you're basically saying is something happened. I can't explain it, and I'm going to just attribute it to X, even though I have no no way to know if X exists or was involved. And I, I noticed that when you talked about miracles, you said you, you it's hard to know whether they're a miracle or a coincidence. And so what I'm noticing here is that basically your definition of miracle then would include things that can naturally occur, right? Because you're basically saying you can't tell if it's a miracle or not. And so you just go with, okay, if they're saying that they feel like it was a miracle, then it, then it's a miracle. But some of these things could just be coincidence. And so you're basically defining miracle as like things that can happen. I'm defining miracles as things that would be exceptional. Okay. So coincidences. I agree with your point that you can't, you know, uh, it's a different, it's not a, a formal inference to say that God did it or whatever. But I mean, if, if someone, if I were that little girl that in that account by uh, astronaut Duke, if if I were blind and someone prayed for me in the name of Jesus, I I mean I I think I I probably want to follow Jesus the rest of my life. I would probably wonder why this person doesn't go to a hospital and just start <laughs> healing everybody because I would think right. that whether whether or not there's a God is irrelevant. This person has healing power. And so the person should be going and healing tons of people. Like go to the go to the children's ward and heal all the kids of cancer. That would be the, my first thought. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. If if you yeah, can I, heal I blindness, go heal all the blind people that want to be healed. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a, that's everything you're saying there is reasonable. I, I guess I've just come to the point where I I believe that uh, just like that proverb, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. I think it'll just. Uh, the idea behind the theology behind that is that in the final day, when it's revealed, it's like a surprise. It would be a surprise to everybody who's reasonable, because if you're basically saying that God is hiding, right, that you have a divine being that is hiding itself in everyday occurrences or in, you know, like exceptional coincidences or whatever, that basically when you see, when you see this God, you can't differentiate it from just crap that happens, then I would say that at the end of it, anybody who says, I knew there was a God, doesn't understand how to reason. Because if God is hiding and he's not hiding successfully, then it's not much of a hide. And if he is hiding successfully and if he is indiscernible from things that can happen, then why would anybody assume reasonably that this is the work of a God? Well, those are really good questions and you know, I think you probably stumped me on that. It's it's really good food for thought, and um, I, I like having my ideas challenged. So 
Well, that's fair. I mean, I totally, you know, and I'm, I want people to know that I'm cool with that. You know, if, if I, I think a lot of times callers are scared to call in because they're like, well, what if you say something and I don't know what, how to answer it? And it's like, if you don't know how to answer it, then you say exactly what you just said. You know, I hadn't thought of it that way. Maybe I'll go think about that. And that's totally fair. There's no, I don't ever want people to call up and be afraid and think that they have to be able to, respond to everything because then we get really ridiculous calls where people are just desperately trying to defend the thing instead of just saying, this is something I haven't thought of and I probably need to take a step back and maybe call again later, you know, after I've thought about that. So I just want to kind of pull out what you just said as a great example of how to respond when you're hit with something that you do need to go and think about some more. You don't have to react to it and sometimes reacting to it makes people say really ridiculous things. And the best thing you can say is, I'm not sure how to respond to that. Let me go and think about it. And that's completely fair. And I want people yeah. to always feel comfortable saying that when they call the show. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that because, uh, you know, even though I, I'm a pressing Christian, I, I really want people to not try to make stupid responses yeah, challenge. and, and, and it's just, just say, because they know. get nervous, I think, you know, and it's yeah. like they don't have to. Well, yeah. and a lot of times people don't want to admit that, that there's something that they don't know. Or they think that maybe they don't have enough faith if they're willing to admit that. And I, or they feel like they are, they might feel themselves pressing, you know, pressing themselves to say like, I'm wrong and they don't want to be wrong. And it's like, you don't even have to say you're wrong. You can literally, you know, if, if it, if it means, sorry, I didn't mean to hit my mic, but if it means, you know, if, if it's that intimidating, you don't have to say you're wrong. You can just say, I need to, I need to go and consider that. You know, yeah. that's totally I'll, fair. So if I could kind of restate your, understand what your response was, if you said that, if someone had that healing power, it'd be more convincing to you if they went to hospitals and started healing. Well, it would it would convince me that they could heal, right? It wouldn't okay. convince me about Jesus. why, right? <laughs> I mean, they may not even know why. Like the person who's praying to God for the power to heal, they may have an inherent power to heal that we don't understand, and they think God is doing it because they they are in that Christian. framework, right? And they think the power is coming from God, but maybe they just have some weird inherent healing capacity. I mean, we don't know what would be causing it, but I would, I would be able to say this person went to a, a children's ward and started healing all the children at the hospital. And that's amazing. And we don't know how they're doing it. And we need to investigate that. But, you know, that's really, at least we'd be able to see that they're, they're, they have a capacity to heal. Well, I, I mean, I, I do respect that. If I could say just for myself, mm -hmm. I'd be kind of afraid, um, not to, I mean, if someone healed me in the name of Jesus, and again, I'm referring to the story of the little girl. Um, I mean, I, I personally think, like I said, I, I would, I would not, I would not think to, you know, to try to talk her out of, you know, uh, Jesus being the source of her healing. Uh, I mean, that's between her. Well, I, I wouldn't, it's not like I'm going to go and hunt her down. I mean, if she wanted to discuss it, I would be happy to discuss it with her. Um, yeah. but I'm just saying if, if the, to the question of what if this happened to me, if something like that yeah. happened to me, oh, if yeah. some guy prayed and put hands on me and healed me, I would be like, this guy needs to come with me down to the cancer center and we need to start healing everybody like this. Like we just need to go and do this. Um, because I, I really wouldn't care where he thinks he gets his power. I would only care that he has the ability to do this. Well, I, I appreciate your time, and, mm -hmm. and thank you so much for taking my call. Thank you give you. me a lot to think about. Well, I appreciate your points. Thanks very much, Salvador. Thank you. Okay. Take care, John. Take care, Tracy. Okay, bye-bye.
right, and now we're going to go to, let's see, this is Tom, who wants to talk about the nature of the universe and whether or not it's rational, and you're on with Tracy and John. Hi, Tom, you're in Eddyville? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Hi, Tracy. Hey. Um, I, I got you on TV. I don't recognize the gentleman there. Was it John? John. I'm yeah. John. Hi, John. Haven't heard much from you today. <laughs> oh, I'm here. Let me let John talk to you then about the universe. I'll talk to you about yeah, the universe. Well, um, uh, first off, I'm no physicist or astrophysicist. I'm just a just a country preacher. But uh, uh, that's good because I'm not I'm not things. one either. So we're on good ground. Okay, well, good, good. Uh, well, uh, uh, the, the, is the universe rational? I guess. Uh, um, what do you think? I, is the universe, the solar system, um, is it rational or? I not? can't imagine what that would mean. Um, what do you mean is by it rational? The laws of of, of uh, certain laws, uh, like physical laws. Yeah, yeah. I would think that phys- certain physical laws are in place that that affect how the universe operates. I wouldn't call that rational, though, because to me, rational means an intelligence. I think the question would be, if I can just interject to facilitate for one moment, I will allow this discussion to continue, but I'm, I'm thinking what you're asking is, can it be rationally understood? Um, yeah, I suppose. I mean, if it could be rationally understood, then it would have to, you know, it'd have to conform to certain, certain, I guess, laws. Right. But I think what's confusing, John, is the idea of an object being rational. And yeah, so, like, like he, is, is this coffee right. cup rational? I, right. I, I'm having trouble wrapping my rank. <laughs> so, my I think what around. you're what you're mainly trying to ask is, can it be rationally understood? Or is it? Yeah, is it subject to the laws of of uh, well, the, subject to the laws of nature? Is it subject to the laws of logic? I think laws of logic are something that that we create to understand things. I don't mean to sound aggressive, <laughs> but uh, um, so by by that we can conclude, or or you could conclude that that the universe isn't logical. Then uh, again, I'm not quite sure. Let me interject. What your terminology. <laughs> I'm going to interject for another moment. Um, laws of logic, as in a thing is what it is, right? That's what we're talking about. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I guess so. You yeah. Know, the laws of, that to yeah, me. The laws of logic, formal okay. fallacies, informal fallacies. Do we? Would and we? I'm not an expert in any of that, kid. Okay. okay? I'm okay. just. I'm <laughs> just trying to nail something down, and, and you know where I'm going with this. Do we uh, agree that things have properties? Right? Like, like John held up a mug. That mug has properties, right? Like it has a particular hardness to it that we can measure, right? It, Right, it, it, has it the conforms to the law, right. law of logic. Well, but it also has like hardness and particular color properties that we can measure, right? And so um, to me, when I look at a property like a thing is what it is, what we're talking about are inherent properties of things that apply to all the things of which we are aware. So these are sort of universal properties, Right. Like the mug, right. in addition to being a certain level of hardness to not being a liquid, for example, also is a mug. The mug is a mug. And so when you're saying, does the universe conform to the laws of logic, as far as we're aware, all of the things that we have observed are what they are. And and in that capacity, it does conform to the laws of logic in the same way that the mug is hard, 
you know, or the mug has a certain hardness to it that can be measured, or can, this, you know. Can I interject? Just sure. A, just a yeah, because I want to know where you're going. You're going with this? Okay. Well, well, I kind of thought you guys might know. So, it the mug uh, coincides with the law of identity, right? The sure. mug is a mug, and it's not something else. Sure. Everything right. I'm aware of conforms to that. Okay, and so that would include the universe. Yes, sure. all the things I'm aware of in the universe, I, I think I can safely say conform to that. Okay, well, that's where I'm, I'm trying to build my argument, and, and I don't know if it's my own. I, I, like to, I like to research these things out on my own, and so be, feel free to kick my bucket out from underneath me. Uh, um, but so if there are laws of logic within that, are, that coincide with nature or the universe, then that would mean that they preceded a mind. Would that be right? For the human mind, at least. Yeah, sure. They they would okay. exist whether there were minds or not minds. Now, okay. whether or not, there's a question that comes up in Taoism, right, of whether or not, without a mind to differentiate, there are things. So what they're saying in Taoism is that everything is one thing until you have something that has perception, because that's the only way to judge something is different than something else, is that you perceive it as different. So the mug is harder than water, right? Because that is how, because I perceive hardness and liquid. It's just like a tree falling in the forest. and Yeah. So there is this question of, is, is the universe one thing until you have a mind to start distinguishing the things, right? To, to perceive sounds it. Like, sounds like, did you say Taoism, T-A-O? Yeah, yeah it's pronounced Taoism, but it, it does, yeah, T. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. so there is a question there about whether or not there would be things without a mind. Okay. Well, I, I, that sounds almost like it's gotten into a little bit of the quantum stuff, you know, where like the quarks that sometimes are here, sometimes are not. If that's um, true, I'm not a if that's true, then <laughs> yeah. then they were way ahead of the yeah. game because this is an ancient, ancient religious or philosophical position. Um, I don't think they were aware of quantum physics at the time they were no, thinking no, this they through. Weren't. They might have been aware of some drugs. <laughs> but I don't know about uh, how, how you know, they probably didn't understand quantum physics is my guess. Well, I like what one apologist said. He said, you can't not take any worldview, a legitimate worldview that's out there uh, unseriously. Right. You know, you have to be able to take it seriously, research it, right. and those kind of things. That's, that's what I'm trying to do with naturalism right. is to say that naturalism can't be dependent on the human mind. For logic, no, but it, but can it be dependent? But mind. can it be dependent on a human mind for distinction? Um, well, I, I guess I would need to know what you mean by distinction. The difference between that mug and water is it different if there's no mind to compare the things, or is it just stuff? Right, and so. Oh. That's a good question. I'd have to ask, would that be relevant, though, to the existence of logic? Well, if you're saying without a mind, is the mug a mug? I'm saying that without a mind, there may not be mugs. I mean, not in the sense, not in the sense that we understand a mug because our understanding is a mind. And And, so. The same would be for logic. Right. And without a mind, it's just stuff. It's just atoms. So, so I, I can say, uh, without fear of contradiction on, on my end, as the theistic end, is that there is a mind. It's the mind of God. 
Well, that's well, an assumption. We know we know you think that's that exactly. because you're a theist, but right. But you'd have to demonstrate that as a as a reality, right? So if if there is well, no the existence God, well, of logic prior to the human mind, that doesn't mean that there's a how do you, how do you get to God, God from there? The, the issue well, here, there has to be there has to be a mind. No, there doesn't. Logic, right? No, no. Why? No. No. Why? Because because um, within the idea of naturalism, logic is dependent on. Um, the conventions of men or of minds. I don't. I don't uh, agree with I'm that. Saying, if we're going to say that the laws of logic transcend minds, then what we're saying is is that well, why why would it not transcend every mind? Why would it not transcend any mind? Why don't you every mind. On that a little better? If it transcends uh, my mind, why wouldn't it transcend a mind of a god? What do you know yeah. about the mind of a god? Can you please enlighten me about what we know about the mind of God? Well, he would be the originator originator of logic if he existed prior to the human mind. How do you know this? So God could not exist prior to a human mind and not be the originator of logic? That's impossible? Logic would have to consist with the mind of God. Why? Because, because God is eternal, then logic would have to be eternal, wouldn't it? How do you know the mind of God is eternal? Where have you... Where have you gotten this information? Where can we confirm this? Well, I have a little a little example if I can if I sure. can share it with you. <laughs> if you don't mind, it takes. No, I, I, it'd be the first example of the of the mind of God I've ever had. I'm sure you've heard this before. Um, the eternal. I, I wanted it. I wanted. It, I've heard it can be contradicted or refuted, and perhaps maybe you guys can do it. So it only take a minute. Uh, the eternality of of, of numbers. Uh, each number, they're both negative and positive. Every number exists and it stands by itself. It's independent of the other number, and uh, they go on for eternity. Each number, each numbers, numbers go on for eternity, and each of them have a name. The number one, the name is one, etc. On up through eternity, um, because they exist, they exist by themselves. They do exist in eternity because we know numbers go on eternally. That number, every number off into eternity, has to have a mind that knows of its existence. That no, it does not. Whoa, whoa, no, wait. it does not. Why? How? Where are you Giant getting to leap. that? Yeah, how did you get to that leap? Here's my thing, though. Let me just ask you this. If there is no God, then God is not the author of the laws of logic, Correct. If there is no God, then God... Uh, yeah. Is that correct? I, well, um... Is I that correct? Along, I'll, go, I'll go okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it has to be correct. If there is no God, then the laws of logic are not a product of the mind of God, correct? I was... I guess what I'm leaning towards, I'd say without God, there can be no laws of logic. And you would... Here's my thing. Things that do not exist cannot be the cause of other things. Is that true? Not exist right cannot, cannot be, the, be cause the cause of other is things. that what you said yes things that do not exist that cannot be the cause of other things yes that's true okay so what if you said you, is true if you cannot demonstrate that a god exists you cannot use it as a cause if the laws of logic exist and you want to posit that god is the cause of those laws then you need to demonstrate a god exists and only then can it be put forward as a cause as a valid cause. Okay, okay. well, I, I guess what I, and maybe I'm not nailing it down quite right, 
and, and like some atheist uh, guys I know say, well, you'll win the Nobel Prize if you get this one down. Um, I, and I think the idea is is that um, because, and you, you said you didn't agree with the idea that, that logic is man-made, human logic, I mean, is not man- you said it's not man-made. Well, you're talking about the laws of logic, the idea of yes. a thing is what it is. Would that be the case without minds? And I'm saying I don't really know. It kind of depends on nuances of how you distinguish between things. But in general, the stuff that is would still be, what and it, it would is. still be what it is, whether the mind was here or not. Now, whether there would be a mug is another question. Um, there would be something, and it would be whatever it was. And that is everything that I'm aware of is subject to that. But my issue is, if you want to say, I believe that God is the cause of the laws of logic, the next step to that hypothesis would be to demonstrate the existence of a God or to, to come up with a test to test for the existence of a God so that you could then say, I now have an existent thing that can account for this because you have to be able to examine it and also demonstrate that it does, in fact, account for the laws of logic. Right now, yeah. you're asserting it as a hypothesis, but I'm asking how you plan to demonstrate it as a reality. Otherwise, it's just a circular argument. And, and Well, um, I don't know. Maybe we're not getting anywhere here. I might have to call back another time. But um, No, we are. Um, you're saying I, I that you— sure that I, I, I wasn't sure, Tracy, of what you said when you said that when I asked the question, do the laws of logic, do they, are they, are they, are they strictly natural? Do they only work through the mind of human beings? I don't know what you mean by do they work, right? I mean, they're, they're proper. Are they only real during, through the minds of human beings? I've heard naturalists say that logic can't be, exists only in the minds of men. Now there's logic and then there's the laws of logic. Those are separate things. Okay, let's just say the laws of logic. Do they only exist in the minds of men? I think that they are descriptors of inherent of properties yeah. of, of, of the thing or things. Um, it's a, it's a little bit tough to describe it, but the point is you're saying that you believe the cause of, of those concepts or whatever you want to call them, those laws, is a mind of a god. And I'm saying that first thing then, in order to find out if you're right, would be to, number one, demonstrate a God exists. Number two, demonstrate it can account for them. Once we have done that, now we've got something. But right now, okay. you're saying this is the cause, but we don't even have, know that God exists. And so how can we even examine it well, as the, a the, cause? I guess, I guess my, my thinking is, is that God is a conclusion. Um, but no, we're you're saying it. You can't say that here. the conclusion is the cause, right? Because even when, when you put forward that something that we don't know if it exists or not is causing something, we need to, don't you agree, confirm that it exists in order to be able to sort of proceed? Well, I think what we need to agree on is that, is, and appears to me that, that you say that the laws of logic are, are man-made. They're only in the minds of men. Am I, I right? I'm not I don't think I here. said that. No. I said that they're okay. properties. Now, whether or not or to what extent those properties are impacted by perception is a big question. Properties from what? From what? They are properties from of. Men. No, they're properties of things. 
right? That we are, you can identify a thing. I can identify that that mug is harder than water, right? I can just make that distinction. The hardness of the mug is then a property of the mug that I observe as a subjective observer, but I don't control it. I'm not making the mug however hard it is. I'm simply observing it's however hard it is. So, so the laws of logic existed prior to you determining... They are attributes the of, as far as we know, everything, right? I mean... Oh, oh they come from everything? They, they are the attributes, just like hardness is an attribute. Where does I hardness come from? I don't understand what you from? mean by attribute. Where, it, it's, it's a... In property, property of the thing, a property of the mug. You're asking where does it come from? Where does the hardness of the mug come from? It comes from like the atomic structure, I guess, of the mug. Um, so it, it, the laws of logic exist innately in the mug. I'm making an observation of something that is true about the universe around me. The observation is everything appears to be what it is. And that's an observation, but it's also an observation based on what I perceive. So the inputs that I'm getting from outside myself lead me to conclude that things are what they are. But these are properties. It's a property of something that I'm observing. It doesn't mean that she created right. the property. I'm not making things what She's they are. She's observing the no, property. No, no, but then, but then see, the Taoists would say, I do make things what they are. So it's it's <laughs> kind of a weird... How do you draw conclusions? What, what rules do you use to draw conclusions? And did those rules exist prior to... And what I'm saying is whether the question here is really what causes the rules. And you're asserting that the cause of the rules is the mind of God. And I'm saying that's an interesting hypothesis. How do you intend to test it and to demonstrate that it's actually correct and not just something you think intuitively is right? Yeah, you're basically trying well, to make the argument the that it's that a God is necessary for those things to exist. And that's, I think, where the You have to demonstrate it. You can't yeah. just assert it. You have to demonstrate it. A hypothesis is what you're putting forward here. You're saying, this is what I think, and this makes sense yeah. to me. And I'm saying, that's great. Now, how are you going to demonstrate it? Okay. Well, uh, the way the way I, if I can just share, and then I'll go ahead and go. So you guys. Okay, because the way to demonstrate it, back. number one, is demonstrate that this cause exists. Because unless it exists, it cannot cause other things. It has well, to because exist. Because the laws of logic exist outside of the human mind, um, and uh, the rules are a part of the universe. That means that, like exhibited through the laws of nature. How do you know that it's nature not- itself does not have that as an attribute? That those laws are not attributes of the natural universe. How do you know this? How do I know that it is that not an attribute of the matter? natural universe? Yeah. Uh, uh, did they have a beginning? Have I don't existed? know. Possibly. Possibly I don't not. Know. Gravity always exi- has gravity always existed. I don't, don't know. know. Okay. Uh, so well. So I don't know. Is 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 your answer for the laws of nature, including gravity, matter, light? Well, if you're asking uh, me when did they originate or did they have an origination, my question, my answer is I don't know. If you're saying did gravity exist prior, for example, to this universe, I don't know. I don't know what existed prior to this universe. So, yes, that's my answer. If you're asking what existed prior to the incarnation that we live in now, I don't know. Okay, well, that leads to another question, but I'll, I'll save it for another time. Um, uh, um, unless you want me to go on. No, uh, no we no. do have other calls. I, I did want to say, though, that you, you kind of said you developed this on your own, but this is this is something other people have come up with. It's called Kalam, oh, yeah, Kalam the Kalam sure. Cosmological Argument. 
And, and the problem is, is that basically it's a giant leap. Like we were trying to explain that logic exists, therefore it yeah. must have come from a god. And the other problem, and that's the thing that I can never get past. Well, the other problem with an argument like this is that this is not the reason anyone believes in a god. This is literally masturbation, mental masturbation. This is people just going off and arguing to argue because this is not the reason anybody believes in a god. This is a, this is an excuse that people use to tie up other people in useless philosophical discussions that really aren't relevant to why people believe or don't believe a God exists. It doesn't really no, help answer the question at all. And it's not really intended to. It's intended to be a diversion. In, in to well, be. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, now you're going to pick the next one because I said you were going to answer that one, but... You had to jump in. Yeah, so I <laughs> want you to pick one that you're confident with. And we're going to have you talk. <laughs> you're yeah. going to talk. Well, I've heard that before. I know, you're making me a liar. <laughs> I'm making you. <laughs> oh, boy. Harden Pharaoh's well, heart. I don't, yeah, I don't want to... Let, let me... I don't want to do pro-life. Hey, Whoa! I mean, you don't, you don't have to announce what's on the call. <laughs> Sorry. We'll get to you. Don't, don't worry there, number caller. We're not saying we won't get to you. Just John doesn't let's, want to take that one let's right do, now. Let's do Connor on line two. Okay. We're going to do Connor on line two in Kansas. Eucharist, miracles in Italy, bread into flesh, wine into blood. Hi, Connor. You're on with Tracy and John. Hi. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. Hanging in there. Just got done with finals week last week. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, so my question was uh, how you would, um, since you uh, do not believe in God, um, how you would describe the Eucharistic miracles that, that happen, uh, even still to this day. I don't believe but that they actually the, happen. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so the the specific one would be the, the miracle of a, uh, Lanciano, where uh, a priest was celebrating mass and holding up a uh, holding up the host during the consecration, and it started to bleed. And it was uh, turned out that it had turned to flesh, and the and the wine turned to blood. And then they examined it in the 1970s um, in Siena, uh, a professor from from Siena and his assistant. Um, and they found out that the uh, the flesh is human flesh and the blood is human blood. That the uh, flesh is actually from heart tissue um, that cannot be extracted without killing the person, but yet it was still living because it had white blood cells. And then also that the five uh, droplets of blood, um, when you weigh them each separately, they all weighed a specific gram amount. I think it was 1.83 grams. And then when you weighed each one of them together, they all weighed the, the exact same also. Uh, okay, same with well, if you had weighed two or if you had weighed three. I'm, I'm not familiar with this specific story, but, but uh, what I'm hearing is a bunch of claims about what happened. Mm -hmm. I'd be real interested to know who they was, who the they was who actually analyzed this and, and where I could find their study. I would want to know things like, oh. like was this host... Uh, you know, does it have a chain of custody for how it got from the priest's hand to whatever vessel they tested this stuff in? I would want to know how they know it was the, the same substance. Uh, I would not want to know who witnessed things bleeding. 
Um, there's a lot okay. of questions I would have about that. I wouldn't just accept mm-hmm. anything at face value, especially something that's, uh, you know, especially a claim that's that. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's fair enough too. Um, fair enough. Uh, the blood was also, uh, consistent with that, uh, taken from the shroud of Turin too. Um, it was the same blood type. Um, it was also the same from the same person. Okay. Well, that's news to me because I didn't, uh, as far as I know, the Shroud of Turin didn't actually have any actual blood on it. Um, yeah. So, uh, it, you might be thinking of the study that was done. Uh, oh, I forgot the year now. Um, but they had, they had actually examined the uh, patches on it that, that had repaired it. And, and so they didn't, um, think about the, uh, uh, and so they didn't think it was attributed to them, and then they re- re-looked at it later, and they actually found the the actual that that it was around the time of Jesus. That that part I'm not familiar with that that ever happened. Okay, uh, but but in general, sure. in general, you know, mm-hmm. all I can do is tell you how I would approach as a skeptic claims like that. Mm-hmm. And okay, and I would, you know, the the. There would be a lot of things that I would need to know before I would accept that a miracle happened. Okay. Um, in, in general, then, uh, what what would you? Uh, I mean, given this these claims given to you, would you then uh, come to think that well, maybe there is a God? Uh, or at least like being open to that idea or well I'm always open to that but but we kind of mm-hmm. I don't know if you were listening to the prior call where we were talking about somebody who uh who allegedly you know restored sight to a blind girl and Tracy made the point mm-hmm. that well you know if this could be demonstrated and repeatable and he healed a whole hospital full of people all we could say is that this person has some kind of unknown healing power that doesn't mean god that doesn't mean jesus uh, that means we don't know, yeah, and so I would uh, say I would answer the same thing about this. If if a if a guy had a host that turned into flesh and blood, uh, why do you leap to God? Um, I think well, it's because of, of where it happened and when it happened. Where do they have it the happened. fragment today? Where are they holding it? Like, where's the sample? Uh, I believe it's in Italy. Like, um, that's a big place. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. So it's um, is it preserved? Uh, it is preserved. It, it's in a uh, oh, what do you um, a monstrance of sort? Um, I be- maybe in Siena because that that's where the assistant professor was from, and that's that, that's also where it took place was in um, in Lasciano, Italy. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, wait. So. That's that's something we would have to look up. No, I, I did look up, and I I might be. All right, I might be confusing this, but are you? There's a Eucharist miracle that's logged online as the Lanciano, Italy Eucharist miracle, and it's it's the eighth century. Is this that, the one you're correct. talking about? That would be correct. Okay, <laughs> go ahead, John. <laughs> So this happened in the eighth century AD, and they tested and they, it and, against and, the Turin. And they tested blood types in the eighth century, 
Or they tested it today. No, 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 no. They, they tested it in the 70s and 80s. Oh, but the alleged transformation occurred in the 8th century. In the 8th century. How, how do they know that this happened? Just um, yeah. stor- stories they, they handed, handed down? down okay, it. so it's a story. No, no, they, well, because, no because it's been <laughs> yes. inside since the 8th century, so everybody has been able to see it, and then they tested it in the 70s. Well, I might believe that they have a vessel that has some human flesh in it, but that doesn't mean that the story is true. Yeah, but the but that flesh is alive with white blood cells, and if you know, um, I'm not sure on your uh, background, but I mean, if the only, the, the blood can only contain white blood cells if it's alive and not in the air, because then they, they die very immediately. Well, it's in a sealed vessel, right? Yeah, they had to take it out to test it, did they not? Okay. I'm still not seeing how this proves that the story is actually true. I, it, it's, it's a, shouldn't, that, should, shouldn't it prove that the story is true? So, no, no. Uh, you you, test, a, you test a substance in a vessel, and all you know is you have a substance in a vessel. I'm finding questions about whether this was ever tested or whether that's a story. I've got a thing here that says there are, there are stories that in 1973, the non-existent higher council of the World Health Organization spent ages checking it and verified it. Um, the heart mm-hmm. muscle was deliberately mummified for it has nail holes. I mean, these are just like some of the stories that had come out, but I don't think any of this is verified. Um, so the, the scientist that investigated it um, was Professor, uh, I'm not sure how to uh, pronounce it, but uh, Ardo, Ardo, O-D-O-A-R-D-O, um, L-I-N-O-L-I. He's a professor. He was a professor in anatomy and pathological histology, and in chemistry and clinical microscopy. And I think it's fair to say that this professor wasn't around in the eighth century when this miracle happened, right? Well, I think what he's saying no. is that the this guy would have tested the preserved he, fragment against the shroud of Turin. I think that's the claim that the caller is making. Oh, oh! I thought that was just an aside, and the main point was that that. A communion host turned into flesh and blood. Or are you more uh, concerned that it matches yeah. the shot of Turin? Uh, oh, both. Uh, I think they, I think they both can hold on their own. I also think that they can both um, can go together. Because, um, because, yeah, I would, I, that, I would, I would just say we have we have a vessel with some mummified stuff in it, and we have a story from a long time ago. And but but in the uh, but what I'm saying is that that the the flesh is alive and the blood is alive. Well, if it's mummified, though, how is it? If it was alive, my it, first it, conclusion it, would be that it's not, you know, twelve hundred years old. Yeah, yeah, that that's the miracle in the fact. So how do you know that that wasn't put in the vessel a week before the scientists tested it? Uh, that's. Because the white blood cells would have died within the week. Okay, the day before. The white blood cells would have died the day before. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the white blood cells in it cannot survive very long. Also, you you would think that the that the scientist would say would be able to tell, say, hey, yes, this is from yesterday. It's not from twelve hundred years ago. In all actuality, it would. It, they said, "No, this is living 
flesh and blood. I still don't see how that gets you to 1,200 years old. Because because it's it's constant it's constantly been like this. How do you know that? Because it's been in visual acceptance. Uh, everybody's been able to see it since. Yeah, I, I'm looking at. I'm, trying, I'm like trying to find information on this, and all I found right now is somebody posted and said the problem is there's no. Well, they said that um, they're posting at a forum and they're saying that this guy, Doctor. Edoro Linoli examined the Eucharist host at Lanciano and found it to be composed of human heart muscle. And the blood was human mm-hmm. blood type AB and that his findings were confirmed by higher council of the World Health Organization. The problem is that there is no higher council of the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization does not have such a structure and the findings are only found at Catholic websites. This sounds so, and it's, I mean, so it sounds like the analysis is also a story I would that say can be confirmed. If there's a paper, like if this guy did a paper on this, if he submitted a paper on his testing and his findings, which this would be, I think, worthy of a peer-reviewed journal publication. Think, yeah. So let's go ahead and find where he actually published his findings for any sort of peer-reviewed journal for, you said he's a biologist, I think, or whatever his field is. Did he submit his mm-hmm. findings for peer review? Did he submit this research so that it could then be looked at by other people in his field in a journal where um, he would talk about his methods for testing and all of that? I mean, this should be recorded since it's a modern test that was done. Right. Would that does From that make 70s. sense? Uh, yeah, yeah, that would be okay. something. So let me just say that if you can find where this is where there's a research paper for this, where this guy published his findings like really academically, not just in these stories that are going around on the internet. Go to our blog mm-hmm. at the Atheist Experience. Um, it's gonna be at uh, what is it? Free freethoughtblogs.com slash AXP. Okay. And there will be a open thread for this show right, for me and John today. And if you go there and post that link so that people can see the actual research described, which is the benefit, I guess, Mm -hmm. of publishing for peer reviews, that everyone can see what you did, how you did it, what your claims are, and then people can respond to that and, like, also repeat if, if available. I know the Catholic Church doesn't always give out relics for testing, but, you know, the idea that it could have been published for peer review, um, now, I will warn you that when you go to the blog and you post, if you've never posted to the blog before, you have to wait for moderation. I try to check the first two or three days after the show to make sure that any new people get cleared right away. Um, after that, it might take a day or two. So don't freak out if you go to post the link and it doesn't show up immediately. <laughs> right it just means yeah. you have to be moderated. Once you're moderated, you okay. can post at will. And then you could respond to people on the fly and you wouldn't need somebody to moderate you. But I'll definitely be on the lookout for that. And I would say that way, because right now what's happening is John's just asking a lot of questions. Yeah, because this is the first I've heard answers. of it. But I think if we had the mm-hmm. actual you know, right up from from the the guy who did the the testing, that would be probably really helpful. Does that make sense? Okay. Fair. Yep. Fair okay. enough. All fair right. Enough. Well, I thank you very much for your call. Thank you. Okay. Have a good rest of your day. All yeah. Right. You too, Connor. Bye. Bye. 
Yeah, and also that's helpful because if other people are interested, it's not like, oh, email it to us and then only we'll have it. You know, it's like yeah. if other people want to see this and they want to look at this and consider it as well, they can go to the blog and check it out in a couple of days, hopefully, and see what's there. Yeah, I think that the skeptic approach isn't to just say couldn't happen. It's to, it's to say, hey, I, I'm going to ask a lot of questions and get to the bottom of what the claim is because, you, you know, you can look on the Internet and find all sorts of claims about anything. And the and you have to have some way of whittling down. Okay, what what's true? What isn't true? You can look things up on Snopes, but that's just another source. Uh, you know, so uh, rather than just say, "Oh, a miracle happened because the scientist said this," well, you, you know, I want to dig into it and really see: Does the scientist even exist? When did when did he do the testing? What where's his report? Like Tracy was saying, so there's a lot of things that. Uh, that I want to know before I'll just jump to the conclusion that something miraculous happened. And so that's really what we're trying to get down to when we okay. ask questions. All right. So. You ready to move on? Yeah. Just to spite you, I'm going to take the call you said I don't want to take. We're taking that call. We're going to go to Suzanne, uh, who wants to talk about pro-life, and you're on with Tracy and John. Hey guys. Hey Suzanne. Hey John. Hey Suzanne. Is am I saying that right? Because it's is yeah, it Su- Suzanne. Okay. That's okay. Correct. So obviously, I'm a theist, and I begin life. I believe life begins at conception. Okay. But let me let me take my theist hat off and put my atheist hat on for a little bit, and give an argument for pro life. Okay. Um, so like you mean a secular so argument. Yeah. That, universe. I'm sorry, go ahead. Wait, what? He, he was just saying it's a, no. what you're giving is a secular, secular argument. argument for pro-life. Okay, sorry. That's okay. No, okay. no. Oh, no I'm, just, I'm sorry. I'm clarifying. I'm not correcting you. <laughs> I am a theist. I'm not. <laughs> but that's fine. You can still put forward a, a secular argument. So go ahead. All right. So the vast universe, right? It's huge. It's giant. Sure. And we have our solar system. And then we have the planet Earth. And we have some lady who gets pregnant. Okay. So this lady who got pregnant, the egg, the, with all the sperm that were swimming toward that egg, the one sperm went out and got the egg pregnant. And if that egg survives God, the mass, uh, what do you call it? God, the mass abortionist. I mean, ultimately, if pregnancy survived miscarry. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little. If the, let's just say, if the egg implants, a pregnancy occurs, right? Right. And okay. if it doesn't spontaneously no, it, miscarry, you're talking about right. Well, it's still yes. Yeah. If it, yeah, right. If it survives the three month window where it's not miscarried, right, and avoids birth defect and all of that, then let's give that little guy, girl, whatever, let's give them a chance to experience life. Because according to you guys, this is the only experience there is. Right, but what you're so saying, why? what you're putting forward here is not an argument, it's a suggestion. Oh, Okay. You're suggesting well, that suggest. this is how I view it, and I would like other people to view it this way. 
But I'm say, but but yes, exactly. But I'm wondering if this will sway your point of view at all. It's but it's not going to what you're what you're but what you're what you're trying to argue for would be, if I understand right, you're arguing against pro-choice, right? Or am yeah. I not? Because that's what they put in the description. So I want to clarify. So no, if you're asking me, right. if you're asking me whether I would take that suggestion as basis for legislating that we're going to force all women to gestate and give birth without, you know, making it her choice. Like I'm going to tell other women that they have to do this because you think babies should have a chance after three months. I don't think that would be a pretty good, like solid basis for law. No. Right. Okay. But, but I, okay. I understand that. And I'm trying to say, I mean, it's it's pretty much natural selection at its best. And I guess, I guess if you look at it, Right, but but we don't force we don't force people to we don't force people to to give up their bodies to somebody else for almost a year because natural yeah, no, selection. I understand bodily autonomy. I understand okay. that argument. I understand that argument, okay. but I want to come at it from, I guess, a big picture. This this little punk. Yeah, you're going to have to do better than emotional manipulation. Like you're going to have to show me a legal argument to take away somebody's rights to their own body. Right. If you're just saying we should give the baby a chance, then I think you should have that choice to give that baby a chance right. if you're the pregnant and, and person. And you should even be able to speak that to other people if you think that, hey, you know, just give the baby. But not everybody's in a position where um, that's that's going to be a great decision for them. And that's the thing. It's okay. Like, yeah, you have a good point. Yes, it is. It is an emotional argument. That's true. And there's nothing wrong with okay. with expressing your emotions. And there's nothing wrong with appealing to somebody's emotions. But there is something wrong with legislating based on our emotional f- feedback. Okay. Right. But I, I, I what well, I'm trying. What I was trying to do is just see if this what I guess be it an emotional argument, but if it would sway you guys in any way to be just you guys personally be like, oh, wait, okay, yeah, no. Well, but my personal, if you're talking about like, for example, if I, first of all, I'm not convinced that if I got pregnant, I would automatically opt for an abortion, okay? So I may already be sympathetic to the idea of in my own life with my specific situation if I were to turn up pregnant, which would be quite the miracle. (laughs) But if I did, um, I would probably say, hey, let's try to have this baby because I can do this, you know. But that's not something that is going to sway my position on whether or not I'm going to dictate to another woman what she has to do. I, it, 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 All right, I see. But I'm already kind of on board with you as far as, you know, if I, it, now if I was in a different situation, let's say I'm in poverty, let's say that, um, you know, I'm, that I am not like uh, very healthy, that I'm not, you know, that I'm just, or maybe I just am, you know, terrified at the prospect of a pregnancy and a, and a childbirth. Maybe that just, you know, frightens me or I just don't want, you know, there's something going on in my life and it's like I, I just can't do this right now. And so then the question becomes, are we going to force somebody to let somebody else use their body without their consent by law? 
Yeah, no, I see. I see we don't need to force people to stay pregnant. But then it goes into... We need to make adoption more easier. Yeah, I mean, if you if you want to if you want to promote other solutions, I actually think that it's an admirable thing if you kind of are are if if you view abortion as something that you don't like, making sure that people have options, making sure that you know women who are single are supported making sure that you can still go to college and you don't have to like drop out of school if you have a baby that make, you know doing things that make it easier to have a baby and to continue on in your life without it being like a major drain on you know you in in many ways or being even if we take steps to maybe make pregnancies less deadly in the United States because right. we actually have a problem with maternal death in this country for some weird reason because we actually can avail ourselves really? of the same yes which is very weird because there's no excuse for it. We should not be having a rise in in uh, maternal death rates in the United States. We're we're what we should be well beyond that. And so for but for we we that's something we can beat, right? So what I'm saying is applause to you for saying I don't really like the abortion solution, so I want to make sure women have lots and lots of other options that make it real easy for them to have a baby because, you know, I, I'm on board with with that option and I want to make sure that it's easy for people to do that and it doesn't become a huge hardship to have a child. A lot of people aren't that forward thinking who are anti choice. So you get yeah. you get the the cookie for that one. Um and I also, I would, I would say that you are in that category of personally being pro-life, but being broadly pro-choice. I think that you're not in a place where you're ready to make it the law that no woman gets to choose and that they all, they all have to have these babies. But I think you're more of a personal right. pro-choice, pro-life person who is like, I would probably go to the wall to have the baby, you know, if, if I had to, I would do whatever, you know, to make that okay. Um, and I think that's okay. And, and I, and I actually appreciate that about your call as well, which is you show that there can be a distinction where a person can have empathy and a person can have, um, you know, that love of that new life and that love of babies. I mean, that, you know, they're cute, right? And they're, who, you know, a lot well, of us feel you, like. Probably <laughs> a little after. I mean, we, we all, you know, mo I think most people react positively to seeing a baby. And um, not everybody, don't get me wrong. Yeah, if, if, and if they survive the womb. <laughs> I get what you're saying, you know. But it's like I also understand everybody's got their own unique situation, and I can't speak for everybody. And right. my well, views. Yeah, it's a legislative it yeah. issue. I mean, we need to yeah. turn people's heads, turn their minds around, just. Yeah. So I really wish that that's, that that's uh, when people frame it, though, um, I it, it bothers me when it's like when people assume that pro-life is this uh, antithesis of pro-choice. I'm sorry that, that that has been stolen by people who just want to force gestations because I see pro-life as being more someone like you who basically says, for myself, I would have the baby and I want to make it easy for other people to. I, I don't want to make it hard for people to have children and then hammer them for having an abortion. Um, because I don't think that's right. And so at least you're there. I mean, a lot of people have no empathy whatsoever for the women that are involved. And so right. I really, right. you know, I'm appreciative of your attitude on that. But, but yeah. when we call it 
um, anti, I prefer to call it anti-choice because you're not anti-choice, but you are pro-life. And people sometimes jump on me and they're like, oh, you're being, you're being just like argumentative to label it anti-choice. You're anti-life, but no, you're what? just, you, you are I'm pro-choice. I, I want, I want women to be able to choose. And I think that you are pro-choice, but also pro-life. And I think that when, right. when people are wanting to legislate and take away the choice, that should be labeled anti-choice yeah. because they're against giving people a choice. You're not that. You're, you're pro-life. And I wish that the pro-life label broadly represented more people like you and had not been like taken by people who, um, really are anti-choice and not so much pro-life. You're really, you really are pro-life in my book. Well, yeah, I am, but I'm also, I guess, pro-choice. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that's, and and I want people to understand that, and I wish that uh, it can be both. Yeah, and I, I wish that people that were really anti-choice wouldn't go around using the pro-life label because that's not really what they're doing. They they are anti-choice, um, and you're not one of them. So no, <laughs> I, I appreciate right. your perspective on it. All right, we do have one more call okay. to squeeze in. Um, I'm not. I'm not. Oh yeah, no! Uh, we have a hard stop. No nope, hard stop. They're making me stop. So my apologies to Sarah on line three. We're not going to get to your call Sorry. today. Bye. I have been. Please call back next. I have been time. told no. So, <laughs> all right, Suzanne, you're our last call for tonight. I want to thank you very much for your perspective. Well, thanks for taking me yeah. in spite of John. Yes. I mean, see, the call I'm was sorry, nice. Sorry, I know. The call was. We've nice. got we've gotten a lot of really <laughs> argumentative calls, and I apologize. I shouldn't have assumed. And we're here to argue if we have no, to, so fine. we can't shy away from the tough ones. So appreciate yeah. your call. Thank you, Suzanne. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Well, that's right. it then. Thanks to everybody. Thanks to yeah. the crew, the hardworking crew. And the next Don't crew. forget. Don't forget that we're having pizza at the Free Thought Library if you want to come down for dinner. Yeah. Thank you for the, the crew, for the people on this side of the wall, the for the audience, for my co-host, for everybody. Everybody and happy holidays. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Introducing the new Buttermilk Crispy Chicken Biscuit at McDonald's. We don't need that music. Made with tender chicken. Eh, let's lose the echo. On a warm buttermilk biscuit. Perfect. The juicy simplicity of our Buttermilk Crispy Chicken Biscuit speaks for itself. Get it now for just three bucks and get a $2 sausage McMuffin with egg or a $1 small hot coffee, all from the one two three dollars menu. Simply your breakfast at McDonald's. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.